Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. Tonight, we're going to go over Mark chapter 4. And don't forget, uh, you can get on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Audible, Blueberry, all the places you might listen to a podcast. Please get on there and follow our podcast. It helps a lot if you hit that little follow button and that little, you know, bell that gives you, it tells you when a new podcast comes up. That helps us a lot. And along with that, uh, we are on Facebook. Uh, you can find us at Bible Thumper Podcast on Facebook. You can find our YouTube channel if you search Bible Thumper Podcast. And if you want to help us out, you can find us on Patreon. You can come and support us. And you can find us there as well at Bible Thumper Podcast. And, you know, we just got on there with Patreon. And honestly, we don't, I don't think we have a single person that's on there right now and supporting us. And, and that's fine. Um, but I was thinking about it earlier today, and uh, really what I need more than anything is uh, prayer. You know, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, something you could do for me is pray for me every morning when you get up and you read your Bible or when you get up early and you you get down on your knees to look under your bed and find your shoes, just pray for Patrick Hayes and the Bible Thumper podcast for a few minutes. That would help a lot because me and my family and our little home church and this podcast, we're always going through a lot. We got a lot to do and, uh, you know, the enemy attacks and we need your help. So uh, please pray with us. With that being said, we're going to jump into Mark chapter four. As always, we're going to try to keep it brief. These are not in-depth Bible studies. It's really just a, a chance for us to go over the Bible. Good reason to get a little Bible in every day. So If you have a King James Bible, open up to Mark chapter four, excuse me, you can follow along with us and we're just going to stop and talk about it for a little bit as we go. And he began again to teach by the seaside and there was gathered unto him a great multitude so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, hearken, behold, there went a sower to sow. One thing we should notice is that Jesus taught them by parables. And we're going to talk about why he taught them by parables, because he explains this. He does it in the Gospel of Matthew, and he also talks about it here in the book of Mark chapter 4. And the reason for it isn't going to be the reason you think. The The purpose of a parable is to tell a story that people will understand, that they can relate to, and then to use the principles and truths of that story to make a point and hopefully make a point that'll stick because we're using um, natural things that we're used to, that we find in everyday life, and we are teaching spiritual principles uh, with that story. That's, That's what a parable is. In verses number four through eight, we are going to read about sowing. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. That's number one. Number two, and some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched 
and because it had no root, it withered away. I feel a sneeze coming on. Just so you know, you're going you're gonna to see it and hear it. Here's the third type. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And here's the fourth type. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him, the parable. Now, Jesus is going to explain the little story that he gave with the four types of ground and the sowing of the seed. And we're going to talk about this quite a bit. <clears throat> but notice where Jesus explains the parable. He taught this in public, but he explains the parable and describes everything, and he does this in private. Verse 11, and he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, know ye not this parable, and how then will ye know all parables? couple things there. Jesus explains that the reason for the parable is for certain people not to understand. There were people in the crowds that he did not want to understand his message, specifically those that were against him. He didn't want them understanding certain things that he was teaching, at least not at the time. And Jesus says that if we start to understand some of these things, we will be able to know all parables. One idea that's kind of neat is I forget the term. It's a big long term and it does it it's I think it's expositional constancy or the law of spiritual constancy. I forget. Anyway, the, the idea is that the Lord uses the same idioms to make the same point many times in the Bible. So once you find out what a certain thing is, when you find out what the birds of the air is, you find out what the sheep is, you find out what the fruit tree is, you find out these things, all of a sudden you can use these throughout the Bible. The law of expositional constancy. I think that's it, but for, it, it doesn't matter. We, we come up with all these long-winded terms to try to sound intelligent. I mean, that's, I'm pretty sure why folks come up with them. What you find out is that fire throughout the Old Testament is judgment. You find out that uh, serpents represent sin. You find out that brass is a metal that can withstand the fire. Uh, the judgment of God. You find these things in the Old Testament. You find out that incense is the prayers of the saints, and you find out that oil uh, is, and the wind uh, a lot of times is the Holy Spirit of God. It doesn't mean that 
every time we hear these terms, we know what the Bible is talking about. But you'll be amazed how many times God uses the same ideas. Let's get into the four types of ground and the seed that is being sown. Verse 14, the sower soweth the word. So we are supposed to be sowing the word. Friend, I understand how terrifying that is for a lot of you. It was terrifying for all of us when we started sharing our faith, when we started sharing who Jesus is and what he did and someone's need for it. And there's not always an easy way to do it because the concepts we're talking about are difficult ones. We are talking about sin. We're talking about judgment. We're talking about hell and the eternity of hell and fire. But we're also talking about the great news that God loves us and desires all of us to have our sins forgiven and to be in heaven with him forever. And that's great news. And I'll tell you what, the hardest part about sharing our faith is starting it. After that, it's pretty easy. But I'll tell you what I found to be so effective is I take a customer or I take a friend and I ask them just point blank. I say, look, I know that this might be an awkward subject for some folks, but I was really hoping that maybe you'd let me take the Bible and just share with you for five or 10 minutes what the Bible says about going to heaven when you die. Now, I know it might not be what you believe, but I believe it very much. And I want to see you in heaven forever. And it would mean a lot to me if you'd let me share these things with you. And I have no hopes or aspirations beyond this. There's no, there's no commitment here. I just want to share with you what the Bible says. And then from there, you know, I leave you alone with it. Uh, would you let me do that? Friend, when I approach someone like that, that I know, even if I don't know them real well, I have never yet one time had someone tell me no. Now that's just my record. But I'm telling you, whenever I approach people like that, I, and a lot of times I'll add in there, you're my friend, I care about you. And, uh, you know, I, I really would feel awful if I never shared this with you. People respond to that. They respect you and they appreciate your concern. And like I said, I've never one time had someone tell me no. Now, with that being said, Sometimes the ground isn't prepped yet and they're not ready for those questions. And I can kind of feel that you, I want to, you know, be somewhat spiritually discerning. And when I feel like God's opening the door and he's pushing me, you, you got to take the step. And then <clears throat> if you don't know how to take the Bible and share it with someone and show them how they can know for sure that they go to heaven when they die, I actually have a video on our YouTube channel and it is, you'll, I think it's called like, are you a hundred percent sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven when you die. And it's me giving the gospel and you can, you know, look over that. And I go over some verses and, you know, kind of walk you through it. So if you, you can take a look at that, if it helps, we are getting off. We're a little bit in the weeds. So let's bring it on back. Verse 14, the sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown 
But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. So we find out that the fowls of the air in verse 4 end up being Satan in verse 15. This is the hard heart. In verse 16, this is the second type of ground that we try to sow in. And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. And so endure, but for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. This is the shallow heart. Now the third type and these they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. That is the crowded heart. And finally, this is the best part. And these are they which are sown on good ground such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And that is the word that is sown on good ground. Now, with all of these, we find that in three of them, there's something that is fighting against the word. And we're going to look at a little bit of scripture here. The first type, we have the hard heart, and we have Satan. The word doesn't even get a chance to get into the ground. The devil is there, and he is there to try to take that word away. When you are given the gospel, you are battling the devil. And let me tell you what, I don't know if you've ever been under spiritual attack. If you are a Christian that maybe just kind of goes to church and forgets about God the rest of the week, probably not under too much spiritual attack. As soon as you really start taking the Bible seriously, you start trying to do what the Bible says. You try to obey God and you try to obey God's commands. You try to share the gospel. You take steps towards the Lord to try to be more like him. All of a sudden, you're going to start to come under spiritual attack. See, the, the devil doesn't put a lot of effort into the Christians that are living in sin, you know, kind of haphazardly going to church don't really read their Bible ever, don't pray much, except when they're really in trouble. Devil doesn't spend any time and energy trying to ruin those Christians' lives. He's already got them exactly where he wants them. And those folks that are in the world, again, he doesn't need to work on most folks in the world. He's got them where he wants them. They're distracted. They're living in sin. They're happy without God. But as soon as the Holy Spirit starts convicting a heart, and as soon as a Christian starts working on a sinner, the devil perks up and sends some of his guys and says, look, we got to shut this down. You got to go get them. You got to mess things up. And you will start to notice spiritual attacks that start to come if you are trying to do the will of God. So the first type of seed falls on the hard ground and Satan grabs it right away. The second one is the shallow ground and it doesn't have any roots. This is the shallow heart. Do you know that nothing grows up and remains without roots? 
nothing. There's no plant that will. It has to be rooted in something. The, the network of the roots is more important than the branches and the leaves. It has to have strong roots. And this is the one where our flesh gets in the way. Our flesh desires certain things. And we are going to put time and money and energy into our hobbies. And we are either going to feed the flesh and go in the direction that the flesh wants us to go into, or we are going to feed the spirit. And we're going to go in that direction. This second type of ground, the shallow ground where the seed gets no root, what ruins this is the flesh. The flesh is occupied with other things. The flesh is putting its time and its energy into other things. It is not putting time and energy into spiritual matters and no roots grow. And it is going to die. As soon as persecution ariseth for the word's sake. All of a sudden it's like, you know what? Boy, I'll tell you what, I would much rather be spending my time doing these other things. The flesh, our flesh, ruins our spiritual walk. In this case, we are the ones sowing the seed. We're, we're spreading the gospel. That's what we're trying to do. And in this case, the person that we are sharing our faith with, their flesh might be working overtime on things of this world. And they are not putting any energy into think, spiritual matters. That seed is not going to take root. The third type is the ground that is crowded. It was sown amongst weeds and thorns. And it says, The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things. Those are what come in and they choke out that seed. See, we pull weeds in our garden. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, I think that is pretty standard fare, that you pull weeds in your garden. Bear with me one second. The reason that we pull weeds in our garden is because the weeds will choke out the plant that we want to have grow. And here, this heart, it is choked out by the things of this world. And the seed's not going to grow. Now, we're going to get into a couple more points here because th this is a wonderful part of Scripture, and this is important. But let's take a turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and let's look at verses 1, 2, and 3, I think. Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. 
Boy, that was not the verse that I thought I was going for. And that's okay. It still works. It's just not the one that I was thinking. Eh, maybe it'll come to me a little later. What we find is that there are three things that fight against us. We have the devil, the flesh, and the world. And this is talked about in scripture in several places. And there's one place, there's one scripture that really defines it like it lays it out like that's that clearly, but forgive me that I thought I knew where I was turning to, but apparently not. Now, here is an important lesson. The one sowing the seed does not discriminate. The one sowing the seed doesn't decide, ah, that ground over there is probably too hard. Ah, that one has too many weeds. Ah, that one is too rocky. Oh, there's some good ground. Let me throw seed there. <clears throat> the way we want to do it is we want to cast seed everywhere. When there's ground, we want to cast seed there. Some of it's going to come up. Some of it's not. That has nothing to do with us. And one of the most amazing parts of this whole scripture is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Let's turn there and we'll take a quick look at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. We read, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. One thing that we have to remember is that Christians come along and they sow seed. Maybe it takes, maybe it doesn't. And then another Christian comes along and sows seed. And oh, look, that, that seed started to take. Then another one comes along and they water. And another one comes along. And all of a sudden, God is bringing this increase and the seed turns into a little, it sprouts up and it's a little sapling. And then all of a sudden it starts to grow and it continues to grow into this wonderful plant that's going to bear fruit one day. Our job is to sow the seed. Our job is to water. And one of the things we got to remember is that as Christians, when we have someone who has a desire to learn the word, whether they are brand new, whether they have, we've been working on them for years, if they are not saved, our goal is to bring them the gospel, answer their questions, point them to Jesus, share the Bible with them. And our job is to do that in whatever capacity they will allow us. And to the best of our ability, I want it to be a good experience for that person because behind me is another Christian that's going to come along and water. So I want to do the best job that I can, and that's it. One, one way that I explain it to people is like this. I will go out and just knock on doors and hand out gospel tracts and try to lead folks to the Lord and invite folks to church. And this is just knocking doors. When you knock a door, I have had all of these experiences. I've had it where they keep the door closed and they talk through the door and tell you to go away. That is the end of the conversation. That's as good as it's going to get. And you say, okay, well, <clears throat> hey, we're just out here inviting folks to church. If you are new and maybe you don't have a church to go to, here's an invitation. And you stick it in the door and you say, have a nice day and you walk away. That's it. That's as far as you get because that's how much they open the door. I'll have folks open the door this much just a crack 
just enough to slip a gospel track in and say, hey, have a nice day. You know, same thing. I'm here trying to meet folks and, and invite folks out to church. And if I can be a blessing, whatever, yada, yada. And that's it. And you don't really get to talk to them because they open the door this much. Then you have the folks that will open the door and they'll stand there. <clears throat> and you can talk to them for quite a while because they open the door that much. Then you will have the folks that open the door and they'll talk to you and then they will invite you in. And those folks, more times than not, end up on their knees at their couch next to me with the Bible, praying, asking Jesus to forgive them of their sins and save them because they want to go to heaven when they die. And that's a wonderful experience. And if you've never experienced that, friend, you have never lived. There is literally no better experience on earth than finding a sinner that does not know Jesus and giving them the gospel and getting on your knees with them and praying and seeing them get saved. I have never once found a better feeling in my entire life. But the amount that I get to talk to them and share the gospel with them is based on one thing, the amount they open the door. And when someone opens the door just a crack, I talk to them until they decide they're done and they close the door and I say, have a nice day. And I leave politely. And then they open the door another crack. And this could be a friend of mine at work. And I don't start my first day on the job giving everyone the gospel at lunch. I wait to see how much they're going to open the door. And then based on that, that is how much that I am going to go through the door and talk to them. And then after that, they're going to open the door a crack more. And for whatever reason, okay, they are going to want to know something else about the Bible. And I'm going to talk to them about it. And then guess what? They changed the conversation. Now they want to talk about sports and weather. Guess what I talk about? Sports and weather they close the door and then sooner or later they open the door all the way and man they're just ready to hear the whole thing but i'm gonna plant a seed i'm gonna water maybe someone else plants the seed and i water god brings the increase we cast the seed everywhere we water everywhere i don't know where it's going to take root and the whole thing's going to work out and we're going to see fruit that grows 30 60 or 90 fold all right, we have gone over quite a bit about this. So let's move on to verse 21, because we do have to get through the chapter. And I don't want this to be an hour and a half. And he said unto them, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. You are the light of the world. We are supposed to be a light. Do you know there's one thing that I know for a fact you cannot do in heaven? And I have a lot of questions about what heaven's going to be like. There are some things I know for a fact 
and there are a lot of things I'm wondering. But one thing I know for sure you cannot do in heaven is you cannot find a sinner and give them the gospel and get them saved. It's too late. We only get this one life. And the only reason you are saved is because someone cared enough to share the gospel with you and you received it. And it is so important that we share the gospel with someone else. There's a, there's a gentleman named D.L. Moody. And I don't know if any of you know who D.L. Moody is. If you don't, find a biography on the guy, even a short one. He's one of the most amazing Christians who has ever lived. D.L. Moody grew a large church, saw so many people saved, so many children saved. D.L. Moody had campaigns where he would go around the country and preach. D.L. Moody was a Christian during the time of the Civil War. And the northern states actually ended up have D.L. Moody come through and give evangelical missions in the POW camps to all the Southern soldiers, because after he would do that, so many folks would get saved that they found out that they didn't need half of the, of the Northern soldiers to guard them anymore because they all behaved. The federal government paid to have DL Moody go to all the POW camps across America and hold these campaigns and see folks saved. DL Moody traveled across uh, the seas over to Europe, and he preached with Charles Spurgeon. It's another great preacher that you can read about. And he lived over in England, and they had wonderful gospel campaigns. And Neil Moody was responsible for so many people getting saved. And it, it's been so long since I've read his biography or one of them. But it was just an amazing story. I mean, this was just one of those guys that you know, God just re really used. I mean, it was, it was such an encouraging, amazing story. D.L. Moody, when he was a young man, was in the Sunday school class of a guy named Edward Kimball. Now, as far as we know, Edward Kimball led one guy to the Lord ever. And he came under such great conviction because he'd never led somebody to the Lord. And he went to one of the kids in a Sunday school class, he went to his place of business and that was D.L. Moody. And he told them how his heart was just broken and he wanted to give someone the gospel and see someone saved. And he just felt pressure from God to go do this. And he saw D.L. Moody saved. Now, if you wanna really go through history, you can find out how D.L. Moody and in his campaigns saw so many people saved and through this chain of secession, you find out that a guy named Billy Sunday got saved and you go through Billy Sunday's life, another phenomenal biography that you can, you can read. I think there's a little biography of him called the sawdust preacher. It's a short book, very easy to read, but also very wonderful and encouraging. And he was another guy that did the same thing. I mean, saw more people saved than I'm going to ever meet in my life. 
and you go through his life. And again, you find out that a guy got saved through Billy Sunday named Billy Graham. And out of all the names that I've mentioned so far, most people have heard of Billy Graham. All of those people got saved and did their work for the Lord because one guy who felt like a failure, self-admitted Edward Kimball, felt conviction from God and decided to give the gospel to one kid in his Sunday school class, D.L. Moody. Friend, we have to be a light. We have to share the gospel. It is more important than anything in the world. Right now, there's a war going on. Russia invaded Ukraine, and it's horrible. Good, innocent people are dying around the world. America might be brought into World War III. The idea that one-third of the world's wheat production is in the Ukraine and Russia, and that's going to be a problem for a lot of the world here in the next coming 90 to 180 days. The world is a mess right now. America is a mess. None of those things matter if we're not giving people the gospel and seeing people saved. It is the most important thing in the world. Who cares how good our life is if we die and go to hell forever? Who cares how comfortable and wonderful a friend or family member or coworker their life is? If they die and go to hell forever. Jesus said, we have to be a light on a candlestick. Do not be a, a candle that you hide under the bed or put under a bowl. Verse 24, and he said unto them, take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. The Lord gives to us, and then the Lord watches to see what we do with it. And based on our actions, the Lord will proceed. It is so important when God gives to us, we make sure to use our talents, use our treasures, use our abilities, use our connections. For his glory. There is nothing greater that we can do on this earth than bring glory to God. And we can do that in many ways. We can do that by having a strong, healthy marriage, raising wonderful children. We can do that. We can glorify God in, in many ways. One of these things we want to do is we want to use all the good things that God gave us in order to replicate the gospel, to see more folks saved, produce more fruit. Verse 26, and he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, First the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth the sickle, because the harvest is come. What we do is we cast the seed, and then we sleep, and it grows, 
and then we reap. Do not ever judge how you're doing as a Christian based on the number of folks you see saved. You are a successful Christian when you sow the seed, not when we reap the fruit. Just sow the seed and pray to God that you are faithful in the people he brings across your path. Just sow the seed. God, I hate to use the term, magically makes that seed sprout and water hits it and it grows into a tree and fruit is produced. And I'm telling you, I don't know exactly how all that works. There are some folks in, in agriculture that know a lot more than I do. But I do know that it starts with a seed. Just sow the seed. Verse 30, and he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up, and becometh greater than all herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. We don't know what seed is going to produce what. Because we don't get a say in that. Do your dead level best in your Sunday school class to pay attention to and encourage and to love every one of those kids, every one of the people that come, if it's an adult class. If you're a pastor, try your dead level best to love and encourage and provide for every single person that God has brought to you. It's hard because... <laughs> Because some people are annoying and some people are unlovable and uh, some people are easy to be around and easy to talk to. Pray for every single one of them. Get to know every single one of them. Try to be a friend to every single one of them. Because all of them can tell if you're faking it. So do your dead level best to pray for them and to love them and to get to know them. And you never know which one of these is going to grow up and shoot out great branches, you know, and produce all this fruit. And you never know which one is, is not going to do much, but that's okay. Okay. Yeah. As a shepherd, I'm there to take care of all the sheep, every one of them. And the same day, when even was come, he said unto them, let us pass over the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and of waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him 
and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Well, the answer was, he's not a man. That was the whole point. The disciples get a little test here. After all these parables and Jesus explains everything, now it's time for a test. A storm comes and they are scared to death. And keep in mind, these guys were serious fishermen. They were professional fishermen. They spent time in these waters and they were scared to death. It was a serious storm. They had reason to be scared. But the point that we're, the point that I take from this, Jesus was the answer. They needed to get to Jesus. He had the solution. And something for us to remember is that we always have the Lord with us. The Holy Spirit of God promised that he was going to live in us and he was going to be with us forever. The Lord is always present with us and we can always go to the Lord when we have a problem. And we don't have to fear. For God hath not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. We don't need to be afraid. We can believe, we can have faith, we can go to Jesus, and we're going to have the solution there. Friend, can I tell you that I don't have time to do these Bible studies? I don't. I'm self-employed. I'm married with six kids. I live on a farm. I'm a pastor of a church. I don't have time to do these. I do these because I love taking this time and reading the Bible. This is a relaxing and enjoyable time for me. I hope it's a blessing to somebody. I really do. I hope you guys enjoy this and it, it helps somebody. And you know what? Do me a favor. Anyone can get a hold of me. BibleThumperPodcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. I have some listeners from around the country. They got my phone number. I don't know how. It's got to be listed on Facebook or YouTube or something, but they got my phone number and they would text me sometimes, ask me questions, and we'd chit chat about the Bible. I love that. If you have a question about something we go over or, or if it's a help to you, please drop me a line and let me know. Believe me, it's always a pick-me-up. It helps me whenever I hear that someone is blessed by any of this Bible teaching we do. So let us know. It helps us to keep going. But seriously, I don't, <laughs> I don't have time to do this, but I love going over this stuff and teaching the Bible. This is one of my hobbies. This is one of the ways, you know, I guess I relax at the end of the day. Thank you for sticking with me. Few of you have been on the video the whole time. If you're listening to this on a podcast, please follow us on Facebook um, at Bible Thumper Podcast. You can find us, I think, Facebook, 
facebook.com slash Bible Thumper Podcast, I think is how you're going to find us. You can find us on YouTube by searching Bible Thumper Podcast, and you can listen to us anywhere that you can get on and listen to a podcast, but you can always join in the conversation. You can uh, put up a comment uh, whenever we're going over this, or if you have a question about what we're doing, anytime we have a live video, you can be a part of it. And we love hearing from you. And it's always an encouragement to have people hang with us. Don't forget tomorrow morning. I know this is kind of late because the podcast is only going to be published tonight. But tomorrow, uh, March 30th at 8 a.m. Rocky Mountain time, I'm going to be interviewing David Snyder, uh, the director of Baptist International Missions Incorporated. So that's going to be a great time. We're going to learn a lot about missions around the world. So hopefully you guys can join in. And if you do join me, that's tomorrow at 8 a.m. my time. Uh, you can text me or you know type in uh, a message and uh, send me a question if you'd like me to ask. So once again, thank you everyone for joining us here at the Bible Thumper podcast where somebody's got to say it.